Now here's what I have in my heart tonight. As we started this morning, we started talking about the precious blood of the Lamb. His blood is precious, amen? For several reasons. Because of its overcoming power, because of its emboldening power, because of its cleansing power. The blood of Jesus will never lose its power. Overcoming power. You and I overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of our testimony, adding your testimony, adding your spoken word to what the blood has done for you will change your life forever. Now in Romans chapter 3, in verse 21 and verse 22, I want you to open with that. Romans the third chapter in verse 21 and verse 22 talks about you and I being justified or being declared righteous by faith in his blood. In Romans chapter 3, verse 21, I I think I can quote it, but I'm going to go ahead and wait until I get it up there. But now the righteousness, which is of faith, which is of God, without the law, is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto how many? Unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Now we are believers, right? So this right standing with God, this gift of righteousness comes by having faith in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen? And then one of the scriptures we referred to this morning was found in the book of Revelation. Notice with me in Revelation chapter 1 and notice with me in verse 5 and in verse 6. The book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us. And what did he do? He washed us from our sins in his own blood. You've been washed. But that's not all he did. He also, in verse 6 says, and has made us, we've been made kings, and we've been made priests, unto God his Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now I want to center in on that word kings tonight. You and I are kings. Now, it's one thing to be a king, but it's another thing to act like a king. It's one thing to be a king scripturally and biblically, but it's another thing to have this kingship, this kingdom authority branded on the inside of your spirit. Amen. Now, let's quickly now go over to Romans, the fifth chapter. And notice with me in verse 17. We've established faith in his blood. We've established we're washed in the blood. And we've established that we are kings and priests. Now in Romans 5 verse 17, of course the King James Version is good. We'll look at that first. And then in a moment we'll look at the Amplified Version. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace, and what? The gift of righteousness shall, what? 
They shall reign in life. Not till we get to heaven, but you and I as king's kids and as kings unto God are to reign in this life right now. Now let's look at the amplified version of that. That's what kings do. Kings reign. Kings rule. Kings are not to be dominated, but king's kids are to dominate. We are not sobredeste vedesto. We are not under the jurisdiction or the tyranny of the enemy. We are raised with Christ and we are above him and have dominion over him and all of his workings in the earth. For because of one man's trespass, lapse or offense, death reigned through that one. Much more surely will those who receive, there's your faith part, receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the what gift? The free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself. They shall reign doesn't say we shall reign as wimps. No, we shall reign as kings in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is one thing to be made a king. It's another thing to reign as a king. It's one thing To call yourself a king's kid. But are we really reigning as children of the king? Are we really taking our place in the body of Christ as the body of Christ in the earth today? I believe that we are. I believe that we will. And I believe that we will increase more and more in the days, the months, and the years to come. Reigning in life. Fred Price said this years ago. He says, you're either reigning in life or life is reigning on you. We are either reigning in America as king's kids. Come on. Or the circumstances are bogging us down. Which one will it be? Choose you this day. Whether you will rise up. And stop the complaining and the belly aching and the arguing and the fighting and the judgmentalism and the critical attitudes. We as children of the king have operate on a higher law than that law of sin and death. You and I operate under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And that's where we're reigning. Right in life. Now. Look with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 4. Glory to God. Children of the king. King's kids. Reigning in life. Ecclesiastes the 8th chapter. And we notice in the first fourth verse. And I'll just wait till we get it here. I get excited and sometimes get ahead of them upstairs. That's all right. But the book of Ecclesiastes, the 8th chapter, and uh, we notice verse 4. 
Well, I'll go ahead and, and read it to you and they'll, they'll get it eventually. Thank you. Ecclesiastes 8.4 says this. Where the word of the king is. Where the word of a king. There's one of those kings right there. Looking pretty dapper in those dark glasses. Where the word. Where the word. Where the word. Coming into the heart and out of the mouth. Where the word of king's kids. Where the word of children of the most high God. That accepted this free gift of righteousness. Where your word is. There is power released. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And these words that we release are not just words that we've learned and meditated on and believed and said in the Bible, but these words are also words that come straight out of heaven by the Holy Spirit to your spirit as you connect with the Father of Spirits by praying in the Holy Ghost. Oh, what a privilege for King's kids to bypass their intellect to bypass their natural understanding and to be able to pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost paves the way for the supernatural to come your way. Praying in the Holy Ghost opens doors that no man can shut. Praying in the Holy Ghost fixes things that the devil would try to disrupt. Praying in the Holy Ghost goes before you and prepares a way where there's seemingly no way. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And if that's true for a missionary going to the Philippines on Thursday, it's true for you going to Bart on Monday. That's true for you going on 880 tomorrow morning. That's true for you going into the lion's den. Hallelujah. Now, where the word of a king is, there is power. Now, turn over to Job chapter 28. And uh, I think it's chapter 22, actually. Forgive me. Look at Job chapter 22. And verse 28. Look at your neighbor and say, we're working on something here tonight. Just kind of paving a little road, laying a little foundation for what we're about to see accomplished in the Spirit through Holy Ghost prayer meeting. Amen. In Job, the 28th chapter. No, I said it wrong again. Job chapter 22. Job, the 22nd chapter. And we begin to look at verse 28. Praise God. This is good food tonight. Ah, the Lord prepares a table before us. Here it is. King's kids. Children of the Most High. Here's what we do. Kings decree things. I looked up the word thing in the Hebrew, and the word thing there is utterance. Yes, that's right. 
The word thing there is a word. The word thing there is command. It says, children of the king, in the context of what we're talking about, king's kids who reign in life shall also decree a thing. They shall decree, decree, everyone say decree. decree. Now, in the English dictionary, the word for decree is okay. It's a little weak. We'll look at it in the Hebrew in a moment. But the word decree there means an official order issued by a legal authority. Some of the synonyms for the word decree is to order, to edict, to command, to mandate, to make a proclamation. It is a powerful word. Now listen to this in the Hebrew. And I, and I, I, uh, I looked up the word in studylight.org and I, I want to play it to you because it's a real strong word. It's a powerful word. Y'all ready for it? Well, I was, but I don't think I am anymore. I can't say it. Stand by. Everyone say decree. The word decree from the book of Job. Oh, got to get on the next page. Anybody in a hurry? All right, good. That's a good thing. I just thought you'd enjoy this. There's not a spiritual, a lot of spiritual... uh, uh, Well, I'm having a little problem getting in there. But anyway, this word almost sounds like a roaring word. When, when, when Brenda and I listened to it, I prayed it, played it about a hundred times this afternoon. And she says, that sounds like a roar. And I said, yeah, it really does. It's like this, rakow, rakow. Look at your name and say, rakow. Now, I didn't say Roku, I said Rakao. It's a very, a very, very powerful word. But now, in the Hebrew, listen to this from Strong's, it says it's a primitive word, and it means to cut down or to cut off. It means to destroy. It means to divide. It means to decide, to cut down, to cut off, to decree, or to divide, and to snatch. This is a powerful word. This is not just getting up in the morning and making a few flimsy confessions from your confession box. This comes out 
of the abundance of the heart by allowing the word of Christ to dwell in you richly. It comes by the spirit of God coming upon you. And when you open your mouth, brother, there's some things that got to get out of the way. And that's one of the major things that needs to happen in the United States of America. People just like you and just like me, we need desperately to take our place. I want to read something to you tonight that is a very powerful word from the Lord that Miss Lynn Hammond got, oh, back a few months. Mac and Lynn pastor a tremendous church over there in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And she had a vision. And I want to share that vision with you. Before I do, just let me share with you a little bit of teaching. She said, the winds of change are blowing right now. Do you sense it? Every day, if you watch the news... You can see it with your eyes. I mean, even right now, there is a debate that is going on that literally they have their boxing gloves on. And it ain't pretty. And that is not the way that America will be great again. It'll not be great again by our fussing and fighting. But America will be great again and experience restoration when the body of Christ rises up as kings and start decreeing some things in the realm of the Spirit. Amen. She said, you can hear it with your ears in places around the world. Governments and cultures are being shaken. Didn't he say that anything in the last days that can be shaken will be shaken? She said... Instability is increasing from Europe, where Great Britain's break with the European Union and the rising tide of terrorism are overturning the status quo to other regions across the globe, too numerous to mention. Economies are literally quaking. Things are being displaced. Old seasons are giving way to new seasons. I mean, you just look at the the news every day. Police killed in Palm Springs. Riots here, riots there, everywhere. She said, it's happening here in the United States with the upheaval in this election. Never in our lifetime have we witnessed such political turmoil in this nation. We have never seen anything like this, probably since Watergate. And she said, there are doors that are opening. And she says, it's not just a door for political change. There is a door that's opening for supernatural change. Spiritually, morally, economically, militarily, the United States is on the verge of a season of great restoration. Oh, there's going to be judgment here. There's going to be judgment there. But I'm going to tell you what. At the end of the day, we'll be the ones that are standing. Amen. Experiencing the goodness of God in the land of our living. Amen. The glory of God invading this nation. 
She says, I see it with the eyes of my heart as clearly as can be. God is opening up before us a majestic new door. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a man of God by the name of Phil Halverson. He was a mighty prayer warrior. She said this, I first learned about spiritual doors from a man named Philip E. Halverson. He mentored my husband and me in prayer many years ago. Some of his favorite verses were those in John chapter 10 and verses 1 through 3 and verse 9. You don't need to pull it up. Let me just read. Where Jesus says, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the door for this man and the sheep listen to his voice and heed it. And then he goes on to say, I'm the door. And anyone who enters in through me shall be saved or shall live. She goes on to say that Brother Halverson taught us that while Jesus is the door of the sheepfold, the watchman who opens the door is the Holy Ghost. She goes on to say, he taught us that's why praying in the spirit is so vital. Listen to this statement. This is worth your drive tonight. Praying in tongues opens doors to the supernatural. It opens gateways in the realm of the Spirit. The devil may say, no mas, no revival, no way. We decree Yahweh. We decree He is the way. She goes on to say in the New Testament, you can see this pattern repeated over and over again. You can see that sometimes spiritual doors are opened and sometimes they're closed. Anybody ever experience an open door? How about a closed door? Now an example of this is found in Acts 16 and verse 6. When Paul and Silas set out on their missionary journey, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the word in the province of Asia. There was a door closed. They couldn't go. The same problem cropped up when they tried to preach in Bithynia, the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. In other words, there too the door was closed. But when you look, when they went to Troas and Philippi, a great door of opportunity was opened to them. So Paul and Silas went into those cities and preached and saw wonderful results. I believe that God will open up doors of utterance for you. I believe that God will open up doors of opportunity for you. To speak into the lives of people all around us. That's right. What we were talking about this morning, the precious fruit of the earth. Oh, they're all around us. And you interview Tony. You interview any of these people on our evangelism team. And they will tell you the same thing over and over again. People are wide open out there. Probably 90% of the people that you minister to are wide open. Say it with me. Doors of opportunity. And doors of utterance. How do you know the difference? You pray ahead of time. You stay prayed up. And God will lead you to the right door. Amen? Now in Acts 19, the scripture says that in Asia, the door that was formerly closed cracked open a little. Paul was able to slip in there. And in Ephesus, a devil-worshipping city where witchcraft ran rampant, he found a little group, now listen to this, of 12 believers. Paul began ministering to them, and little by little, that first little crack got wider. Miracles began to pour out. 
The gospel was confirmed with such astonishing signs and wonders that all who dwelt in Asia who heard the word, Hallelujah, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say it with me. There are effectual doors for the body of Christ. There are doors of utterance for me. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 8. He that has ears to hear, let him hear tonight. Value what you're hearing. In 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, in the 18th verse, 8th verse, Paul called this an effectual door. Now, what is an effectual door? Well, an effectual door is an energy word. That's effectual is an energy word. It speaks to us of God's supernatural power. So what happened in Ephesus is this. The power and the door swung open where the power of God began to minister in that whole city and lives were changed. And then Lynn says, this is the kind of door I've been praying for. Will you join me tonight and pray effectively and pray effectually? For America and for changes and for the election. We adjoin in tonight with your heart, with spirit filled prayer, and let's let God use you and pray. I want to share the vision that she had. She said, I've prayed for it as many others have for a long time, and I sense in my spirit that it's begun to open for us. We may not be experiencing it yet in the natural, but in the spirit, we've stepped into the season, I believe, of America's greatest hour. She said, recently, however, the Lord showed me something that put me on alert. I mean, you know, the Lord shows you things not to scare you, but to alert you. She said, about three o'clock in the morning, he visited me in the night. In a vision or a dream. She said, I don't really know which one. And he took me up in the spirit over New York City to the place where the Statue of Liberty stands. She says, I know that statue very well. When I was growing up, my father took our family to see it every summer. Time and time again in the sweltering heat, we climbed the stairs inside that Lady Liberty and heard the facts about her. Given to America by France in 1866, she represents the gateway to freedom. Her crown symbolizes her authority and leadership in the world. Her torch lights the way for immigrants to come into this country. And the broken chain on her foot declares, you will be in bondage no more. As familiar, she said, as the statue is to me, however, in my vision, I saw something I'd never seen before. She said, I saw a dark skeleton-shaped cloud in a Middle Eastern headdress hovering right next to the torch in the Statue of Liberty's hand. The skeleton was blowing puffs of smoke toward her. And each time the smoke hit her, this symbol of liberty, this standard I've lived by my whole life, would reel as if she was about to fall. Lynn said, What's, war- what's wrong with her, I wondered. As if in answer, the image of a hand appeared, 
Starting out as small as a child's hand, the hand grew quickly into a powerful fist holding a cup that was cut through by a sword marked with a crescent and a moon. The hand tried to force the statue to drink from the cup. And an evil voice said, you must drink the dregs of this cup of judgment, punishment to your inhabitants. Recognizing the words as an echo from Jeremiah 25, verses 28 and 29, I thought, how dare you try to use scripture against her, you demon power from hell. Then all of a sudden I heard another sound. It was coming. Now this is shouting ground. It was coming from the other side of the torch and sounded like a swarm of buzzing bees. As the bees became louder and louder, I realized that's the voices of the prayers. I could tell by how they sounded, they knew their authority in Christ. You've been taught well in this church for the last 35 years. You have been taught the authority of the believer. You've been taught how to pray effectively. It's time for the church to rise up and to pray as it never has prayed before. As they continued, I could tell by how they sounded, they knew their authority in Christ. They knew that every demonic power and principality is defeated and that we as the body of Christ on earth are here to enforce that defeat on every side and in every place. Enforce, that's what kings do. As they continued to pray and use their authority, a most interesting thing happened. The angels would join them. Brenda did such an exceptional job teaching on angels. Do you know that angels will assist children of the king in this day, in this hour? The Bible says that they hearken to the voice of his word. When you are praying out of a spirit-filled heart in the Holy Ghost, you are speaking words that angels understand. How hallelujah. As they continued to pray and use their authority, the most interesting thing happened. The angels would join them. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. When the righteous rule, the people do what? And in response, the angels would smile and say in return, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Now listen to this. We're talking about decreeing and declarations. Every time they made those declarations, the hand would relinquish its hold and stop push and stop pushing that cup of judgment toward Lady Liberty. Gradually, the hand began to vanish, and I saw again the glorious door God opened has opened for America, and then the Lord spoke to me. You can have one or the other. You can have my glory in this nation, or you can have what the devil's trying to do. So keep praying. Pray for America. Until you see the end of that dark cloud of evil diminished for good. 
Pray until you see the devil worship, see, see devil worship and every other kind of ism driven out. This will be an everlasting prayer assignment for you and me until the church is raptured. And she concludes by saying, I share this with you today because I believe that it will ignite you to pray. Amen.